There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, movie truthers. Welcome to this week's episode of Truth and Movies. I'm Leila Latif. I'm Hannah Strong. I'm Leslie Pitt. On the show this week, we journey to North Carolina's marshes to discover where the crowdads sing, Netflix bank on big action in The Grey Man, and on Film Club, we sample some Pete Ryan Gosling with The Place Beyond the Pines. All coming up on Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. So, Hannah, you've just come from a screening, which means that we are all having the kind of quite apt experience of talking about a bunch of thrillers in the middle of the night. <laughs> 9 p.m. We are recording this at 9 p.m. Yeah, no, it, it's Little White Liars After Dark, something that uh, Michael, Leader and I used to joke about a lot. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, I just saw The Gambler starring the late, great James Kahn, which is a thriller. Well, of, of a sort, it, I'd say it's maybe he's a little bit closer to drama but it is one of the films that inspired uncut gems so i was really keen to catch it on the big screen and um it was amazing did not disappoint uh, if you are local to london keep an eye out at the prince charles cinema because i'm sure they'll be screaming again in the near future yeah i would highly recommend very good film yeah r.i.p to the wonderful james khan they don't really make movie stars like that anymore um, and Leslie, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast, especially given that we did these screenings all in one day. And so you and I got to have like a big kind of Internet Friends intro day together. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, I don't know why you're excited to have me on. I am a terrible person. <laughs> um, well, welcome. Thank you. We all are. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, to introduce myself, um, I'm Leslie, uh, Leslie Pitt, Leslie Byron Pitt, or uh, my full name, Leslie Byron Pitt Jr. Um, thank you, Dad. Um, and I talk often about um, erotic thrillers. Um, I'm a co-host for the Fatal Attractions podcast, uh, which is a three, four years old podcast, which we've been talking about erotic thrillers from Shattered to Showgirls to Species and trying to find out whether or not they all kind of fit into that kind of um, erotic erotic thriller kind of platform. It's great fun. It's exhausting. And we watch a lot of crap, but it's, you know, it's, it's what you expect from something so niche and so, so odd. 
it's such a thing, I think, for film people to kind of mourn the lack of erotic thrillers that are being released. We had, um, I suppose there was recently the Anada Armas Ben Affleck one. Was it Deep Water? That, Indeed, that, we had Deep Water. That came um, out. But the, um, has, has there been any that maybe have slipped through the cracks that people who miss this genre, this kind of subgenre, would like to hear about? Yeah, so we were lucky enough twice now to have uh, Michael Mohan, um, who did The Voyeurs that came out last year. And he came on our show. He's been on our show twice now. Um, our next episode will be um, Friday, where he comes on to talk about Gone Girl with us. But he came on because we found out about his um, his film. <laughs> and uh, he, then he kept, we found out about his film and then he kind of found us and was like, oh, can you please kind of review our film or, or anything? I'm kind of doing a lot of marketing by myself. And we was, we kind of said to ourselves, well, we've got to get do this as quickly as possible. And we had him on and he's an amazing guy to have on. It's actually really good to have podcasts on with um, a podcast with actual filmmakers being interviewed and talking about their stuff because one of the things that becomes really frustrating is the amount of people who are just like opinion, 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 like the sound of their own voice, but not actually kind of interacting with people who make movies. So it was really engaging to see and hear what it's like to, from his side of side of the pond to, to try and do things. And he's a really engaging guest. The film I really love, like I unabashedly love it. <laughs> it's because it's uh, it's so cheesy and it's so trashy, and there's this kind of De Palma thing running through it. Uh, there's not much else I can say about it apart from I think you should watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. It's it's free, so you can kind of watch it that way. But there's loads of the, the thriller never really disappeared. Um, the erotic thriller never disappeared. There's tons on. Netflix, there's tons on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime. The problem with I find with the with the erotic thriller is it kind of coincided with the mid level adult film, mm. and because you no longer see that on the big screen as much anymore, which will probably come to play with some of the films that we're going to talk about you don't see these films anymore. They don't get distributed in the same way because they don't get distributed in the same way. You have this situation where everyone's like, where have they gone? And then you have American outlets do whole weeks on the erotic thriller as if they've been talking about it for ages. I won't say who. Uh, and, I think and we all we... know who. And <laughs> one, of, one of my favourite things about that American outlet doing the week on the erotic thriller was um, when they accused critics of not being good enough at sex to kind of <laughs> manage to review them accurately. But... I went absolutely nuts in my career. I was just like, what are you talking about? But, but Hannah, um, oops, um, yeah. But... Uh, Hannah, you are clearly a fan of a thriller, as I know that you've got a Gone Girl tattoo by yeah, uh, of I all do. things. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the state of the thriller? Um, I I think that thrillers, like more generally, I think a kind of uh, sort of evergreen. But I do agree with Leslie that we've seen a massive decline in kind of intelligent 
um, exciting mainstream filmmaking for adults and um, uh, particularly the erotic thriller, which I think is why there was such a big thing about Deep Water because it had just been so long since we'd had a film with two like kind of huge stars um, that kind of looked sexy and um, dark and, you know, then the audiences were quite divided on it. I quite liked it. I thought it was quite fun. And um, I liked it as well. Yeah, I think it, there's a lot of uh, charming things in that film. But I am always constantly like, you know, I'm like David Fincher, return to us, make another thriller, which he has done, bless him. Um, he heard our cries. I think we're getting one end of this year, beginning of next year. So um, I, yeah, I mean, increasingly, I guess it's just a signal I need to read more books because at least we've always got like thrillers in paperback. My mom's a big like um, Ruth Rendell, uh, uh, Patricia Cornwall, or all, all those like, you know, the, the pulpy paperbacks you get for like... Um, uh, three for a tenner in like the works and stuff she's like well into that so I kind of grew up with like that was like um what I was reading like as a young teenager like getting into uh kind of adult books and uh um it's not like there's any really shortage of those and of course there are so many classics like today I you know catching up with this film I'd not seen before and I I don't know it's something that I think um I really hope we get back to basics with that um you know well i i i the one thing that's always frustrated me is i can't remember when the last study was done but um women buy more movie tickets than men um this came but i think it was around 2014 last jet so this is a long time ago but there was, you know, they're, they're always doing these kind of studies and going, well, who buys what and why? Because marketing. And when you had something like Fifty Shades of Grey come out, made loads of money as a book, made loads of money as a film, there is clearly a market for all this. Yeah. But uh, people will will accept crumbs. Something doesn't even have to be <laughs> well, that it's, sexy it's, or that thrilling. It's the Love Thy Neighbour um, thing, isn't it? Where Love Thy Neighbour is a horrible, racist 70s sitcom, but you get on all these I Love the 70s uh, shows, uh, black celebrities turn around going, yeah, but it had, a, it had a black person in it, so we watched it. <laughs> and that's what I see, think of something like um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, where women you... are just like, oh, there's a buttock. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, it's, it, it's still one of the, the larger mainstream films with a lot of like sex and sensuality in it. Whether or not you agree with anything that's in there or, or you find it all a little bit vanilla, which I, you know, I certainly did at least it was in there turning around and trying to do something with it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like the voyeurs a lot as well. I think there's sex scenes in that, which were really different considering the market it was aimed at, who's in it. And obviously there was an element of trying to get some, some of the, I forgot the euphoria crowd in because obviously um, uh, Sydney Sweeney's in it. Yeah. So the audience is there. It's whether or not people want to kind of listen to it. But I think far too often, and again, the films that we're going to talk about, far too often there is this element of films as content and films just being 
just narrowly driven towards a certain quadrant of people as opposed to broaden it out and like good um, counter-programming. Wow. Well, um, let's see if the words vanilla content crop up (laughs) again. You can join our community of film lovers by becoming a Little White Lies member. You'll receive exclusive perks and an insider's view into the world of Little White Lies while directly supporting our independent film journalism. Search Little White Lies membership via your search engine and click through to our Steady HQ page for a detailed breakdown of the plans. Now on to the movies. Kaya Clark, who raised herself in the marshes of the Deep South, becomes a suspect in the murder of a man that she was once involved with. So, Hannah, we, mm-hmm. this was adapted from a very, very big book, a kind of a giant best-selling one that Reese Witherspoon came on board. I'm not sure if it was Oprah's book club, but it feels like the sort of thing that should have been. I think it was definitely Reese Witherspoon's book club because she has a book club now as well. Because, well, sure, why not? Sure, why not? <laughs> um, and now it is a movie. Um, I mean, we can certainly say that it's a movie. I think it's worth mentioning probably at the top of the programme that the writer of this book has been accused, um, her and her family, of some very troubling crimes in Zambia. If you want more information on that, um, I suggest Googling um, because I don't think that's um, necessarily our role as film journalists to kind of unpack you know, extradition treaties and such. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Hannah, were you compelled by this depiction of the deep south that we see in Where the Crowdads Sing? Okay, so where do we begin with this film? Um, I became aware of this a few years ago when they cast Daisy Edgar-Jones off the back of Normal People. I think she was cast and so it's pretty much the first thing after that that she was signed on for and I had never heard of it before and I do read you know I'm I'm not solely spending all my time in dark rooms watching films sometimes I pick up a book and I was like what is this book I've never heard of this book and it, it and there it is like the best selling book of all time or something <laughs> or something crazy or what was it the, the I don't know there was the, some statistic about how well it had sold and it is um a sort of oh god how do you even describe it it's it's a a story set in the uh, the rural marshes of North Carolina about a young woman who is abandoned by her family and grows up and is uh, belittled and ostracized by the local community and then she's accused of uh, a crime she's accused of killing a local boy and um the book kind of then backtracks about her life as she's recalling it to her lawyer and uh, the film follows exactly the same structure there's no kind of like you know not I wouldn't say it's an ambitious uh, adaptation I'd say it's a very kind of like straight down the middle this is exactly what's in the book and we're going to relay it word for word literally word for word in some cases which you know questionable choices were made with the dialogue here Um, and I now Daisy Jones, bless her I don't I, I don't really vibe with her as an actress, like as a screen presence. I don't find her particularly interesting. I didn't really like normal people and I really didn't like Fresh, which was the uh, sort of cannibal comedy drama horror film, I guess, that she made with Sebastian Stan, which was at uh, Sundance this year, just gone. Yeah, I also hated Fresh, but we were in yeah. the minority. 
I know people did like that film. Yeah, I, I didn't. <laughs> I like won't it. say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Do not care for that film. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was kind of like on the back foot with this film a little bit anyway. But Harris Dickinson is in it, and I love Harris Dickinson. Um, very good young actor, makes has made some great films, Beach Rats, uh, the forthcoming Triangle of Sadness, great, great stuff from him. So I was, he was enough of a kind of law. And then we've got David Strathern, who, you know, can can do no wrong. And um, I was like, okay, you know, maybe it'll be decent. Um, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, but it does feel like every year we get like a couple of these films that are adapted from books. And it is just like, um, it feels like a very kind of, um for for the for the kind of masses you know it's for the people that read the book and love the book it's not like kind of trying to do anything new or exciting with the material it's you know I don't know I just it's not really a genre I particularly find has um rich pickings for for, for me (laughs) for me as a viewer for just kind of what I'm interested in and yeah I mean god it's a bit of a slog isn't it shall we say this film it's uh just so cliched and it it presents this character Kaya as uh you know she's the woman of the marshes the wild woman of the marshes uh, and she's been ostracized because she's dirty and um you know has has obsessions with shells and beetles and things but then you know she in every single frame she looks stunning and you're kind of like you just don't there's no kind of understanding of like well she doesn't look how we're how we're being told she is supposed to look by the other characters. They're all saying, "Oh, you know, she's uh, she's no good. She's uh, she's um, uh, you know, kind of there's a, a sort of insinuation that she's like dangerous and whatnot." And it's you know, it's like the things that the characters around her are saying just do not match up to the kind of character that we are presented. And I do think, in some ways, Daisy Edgar Jones is miscast because I think that she as an actress is just not really much of a screen presence to me that sounds really harsh but um I don't know I think I think if you're suggesting this character has like these kind of um hidden depths and you know this kind of air about her that makes people a little bit um uh defensive or a little bit intrigued then you really need a kind of actress who has that sort of beguiling quality and and to me just yeah I mean I didn't really think she was enough of a kind of um, a pull as a viewer. And it really does like rest on her shoulders because she's the one that is like talking for most of the film. She's the one that is gamboling around, chasing after crawdads and whatnot. And um, I have to say, like, it's not all her fault. Like <laughs> the, the script itself is so dire and so kind of rote. And I just, yeah, it's... it. I don't really have any kind of enthusiasm for this this film. It's uh, I, I I'm sure there is a market for it, but it's just it's just not me. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, speaking of them, you know, she is kind of the she's a very beautiful woman, and she's kind of for the most part styled in sort of what looks like the latest collection from anthropology and the perfect <laughs> blowout and dewy skin. Uh, but then people are referring to her as being like maybe the missing link. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, like, gosh, what, what, like, what have I missed here about this character? Um, I mean, I, I will say that it, it did 
feel like a very good like tourism advert for North Carolina like it looks beautiful I was like oh I want to go to these marshes and you know kind of explore this like wilderness that she's in but then all the people in the film you're just like they seem like they are supporting characters from To Kill a Mockingbird who've been kind of just like airlifted into this very uncompelling narrative and particularly this there's two characters um who kind of like take Kaya under their wing a little bit and uh they they run the local um like corner shop like local grocery general store whatever and um they're like the only black characters we see in the film and they're presented as like just like caricatures of like of a of like a, a black couple and given the time that this is set you know like during the 60s in like the the kind of deep south I was just like something about this is not like ringing true to me like the there are no like there's no kind of poetical implications in this film and it it, it seems just so strange to me um that but then you know you think about Dila Owens as a writer and the whole thing as we alluded to with her family in Zambia and you're kind of like okay this this is just like there's just so many levels of like problems to this story (laughs) so Leslie um you talked a little bit about kind of you know the male lens the female lens when it comes to erotic thrillers did this work for you as in I suppose to me this was the Taylor Swift lens (laughs) (laughs) well I the problem I have with with this film is there's something about um so Sony production, especially recent Sony production, Sony Columbia productions, in which you watch them and they ha- they look gorgeous, and I get the feeling that it's more promotion of the cameras that are being used and the colours than the actual film and everything else that's going in there. Um, I think I I agree with Hannah to a point. There is this element of everything looking very lush and very beautiful and very able to to go and visit and it's taken and it's set in this era where there is nothing but this kind of trouble and strife, but it didn't seem to occur anywhere near here. Um, And there's this really bizarre, it reminds me a little bit of Sophia Coppola's um, The Begar, which I did like, um, where you have this film in which it's not, sanitized isn't the right word. It's not, not, that's, that's not the right word of saying it. It's, it's just not sweaty. It's not, it's not difficult. There's nothing there to kind of upend anything that's going on here. And it is kind of mass curated to turn around and go, look, there, here's the marsh. Here's a girl who's a little bit kind of, here's the marsh girl who's a little bit kind of out of sorts with everyone else and not, not of the, the, the common people there or whatnot. And it just doesn't, it never seems, it never really seems to click. It never seems to vibe. And I think, uh, I think Daisy Edgar Jones. I really like Daisy Edgar Jones. I'm, I'm sitting in uh, suffering in silence as, as you guys were speaking. Um, and You're the, the majority. Most people <laughs> like Fresh. Well, I, like, um, I like her performance in Normal People. I like her in Fresh. And what I like about her is she's able to do kind of vulnerability and sensuality and kind of have that together and, and really works for me. The problem I have is this isn't that kind of movie. She's, I, this is a very pretty woman. And every, like you guys have said, everything that, everything that these characters are saying about her doesn't seem to ring true. 
Um, but also, yeah, those those black characters are a bit. Mm, there's an element of magical Negro about it, especially near the end where something where something occurs and you, you just don't really. Believe. It just feels wrong and really. I wouldn't even say sanctimonious, just cheesy. Oh, yeah, and I think it was borderline songs from the South with Disney. Or I, I reviewed this for Little White Lies and I said that they seemed like they were plucked from the middle, middle act of Get Out. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, that is a very good call. And, I, and like the, 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 I've been saying this to everyone, but, but David Strathen, like, <laughs> as this like rural lawyer who's like, I don't know much about country politics. <laughs> you know, it's the, the, very, the future like, hyper chicken. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that is the reference I've been pulling from. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you sound like the chicken from Futurama, the lawyer chicken. And everyone just looks at me like I've fully lost the block. Oh no, I get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's oh, it's just so frustrating because I I I don't necessarily think that this had to be bad. I mean, maybe I've not read the book, so maybe like the source material is every bit as kind of uninspiring <laughs> and it was always just going to kind of end this way. But I mean, yeah, it's it's always disappointing. Well, this is, we... I think it's an air, airplane book. I think it's an <laughs> airplane book and it's ultimately an airplane film. And I'm sorry to cut you off there, Hannah. I no, really no, 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 you're right. Um, it, the, I'm watching this and we went, we went, went to the same, I think we all went to the same screening and... I sat there going, this film is not for me. And there is a certain type of person and you can kind of see the boxes being ticked on the type of person who read, loved this book. It's already their favourite movie. It doesn't need to challenge them because it's got all the bits in there that it needs and that, that, that they wanted to see. And it's just about that being writ large on a screen. And that's it. Um, and I, I really, I think I struggled with it because I'm, with certain films, especially films like this, is once I know how I think it's going to go, you, I need turmoil from somewhere else. <laughs> like, why, why isn't a certain character being racist to these general store clerks? That doesn't, I don't believe that. Um, why, why is it that she can, she, I, I don't get, like, there's, a, there's something about the set dressing I think the Your Little White Lives review is really, really good at kind of picking out the fact that the set design is almost immaculate. Like, it's mm. too studied. Um, but I'm just wondering, just since you're... To... Sorry, since you're, um, you're also a photographer, I'm wondering if at least you, there was something you were able to enjoy, because this is certainly a very handsome film in many regards, like from a technical aspect of photography. Is there anything that you kind of got from it? Yeah, like I said, it's it's really lush. It's really it's really green. Um, it's really pretty. There's no sweat. There's no dirt. It's kind of like we've brought up Instagram a couple of times on this now, and I think that's the biggest trouble with Instagram. Instagram, especially with certain images, they look a certain way. They're set a certain way. Nearly all portraits are the same same way. Nearly all portraits of women on Instagram almost look like Daisy Edgar Jones. Like, mm. Just in general, um, not not necessarily a bad thing because you know she's attractive. But it is one of those things on where you're watching this stuff and it's like 
that the Taylor Swift stuff it's all like I said there, there's a it seems like a box ticking exercise yeah I mean and, vanilla seems to be the word that I keep coming back to now that you've mentioned it I felt like it was having like having an ice cream sundae that was 47 scoops of vanilla ice cream and 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 nothing else to it um but let's get some scores on this um Hannah do you want to go first in anticipation enjoyment and in retrospect uh, yeah, so I would say it's uh, like a three in anticipation and then I would say a two and a two. It's, I, uh, yeah, it's just not, it's not for me, as they say. Um, I, you know, go with God if you enjoy this sort of thing, but I don't, it's just so kind of um tepid in like every sense of the word it, it just you know there's just nothing interesting to me about a film like this <laughs> sorry I, I realize how harsh I sound maybe it's like after 8 p.m I'm just like no the honesty filter is uh, the, you know the is off and that's it I'm, I'm done now so, so sorry <laughs> oh, yeah truth and movies after diet Everybody get yourself a martini. I'm sad I've only got a sparkling water or <laughs> well, the gloves are off uh, Leslie, what about you? In anticipation, enjoyment, and in retrospect, um, two, 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 all the way through. Um, mostly because I went in there going very, very blind. I had no knowledge of of the book. Um, in terms of enjoyment, it rolls along, um, and I won't lie, it was a long day of watching movies and and, and conversation. So. This is something that probably would have fared better with me if I watched it first, maybe. <laughs> um, but no, it's like, I re- this is a film that I remember I would, when I used to work at cinema, this would be a film which would make tons and tons of money. And you wouldn't really know why it's a kind of, it just exists to exist. It's, it's strange. It certainly is. I believe I'm too across the boards as well. I believe that's what I'm on record on um, in print. Um, yeah, there's a temptation with something like this to kind of not give it a one because you don't want to suggest that it's kind of so bad, it's good, it's wild, it's outrageous because it's kind of the opposite of outrageous in many other ways. Next up, The Grey Man. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When the CIA's most skilled mercenary, known as Sierra Six, accidentally uncovers a dark agency secret, he becomes their primary target. Six is hunted around the world by psychopath for hire Lloyd Hansen, who unleashes a team of international assassins and holds his mental Fitzroy and adorable niece Claire hostage. Leslie, we'll start with you. This was our early morning film of all things. We watched about 6,000 people die first <laughs> with our <laughs> breakfast. Probably the best time to watch um, a film like this, just to kind of wake you up after having a really stodgy egg-based bagel, I guess. Um, I sat sat into this kind of kind of getting into the flow of it. It is nothing new, nothing special, nothing like from a narrative point of view. You have seen this before, and I think the best way of kind of uh, describing this would be kind of candy coated born identity um there is so much that you've seen from other movies there's so much you've seen from the early mission impossible movies there's there's, there's lots to get from all this and again it's from a another really um well-selling you know well-selling book good selling book best-selling book whatever you want to say um, and it's fine. It's not a problem. But I think the Russo brothers are kind of kidding people if they're if they're trying to make something and 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 making you want to believe that they've moved out of the Marvel universe, um, despite the fact that it does look like a film, so to speak, and. I was happy that we were able to go. This is going to be out on Netflix. Uh, it's in select cinemas, but it will be out in Netflix very, very soon. Despite the fact that it does look like a film, which is nice, um, uh, and being in a being in a kind of cinema screening means that you feel the rumble and everything. Um, the clumsy drone shots, the, the lack of anything everything's really slippery if that makes sense everything doesn't seem to hold weight despite it being really really action-packed packed and quite fun um i think the best thing about it is is chris evans he he kind of he's like a stealth ninja going in there and saving this movie um and that sounds really harsh because i did actually enjoy it i did find it quite fun but there is this element of chris evans just enjoying himself because he doesn't have to be America's ass anymore um <laughs> yeah you know hosting this podcast I'm watching a lot and I'm not complaining at all because I love this gig I'm watching a lot of films that I'm not necessarily that interested in and you know I normally watch Marvel films anyway but like coming to this like a week after having watched Thor Love and Thunder this Guys, I liked it. <laughs> there is something about that this, at least to me, felt like a real film after that garbage screensaver nonsense. Um, 
God, that's and how I, low the bar is now. <laughs> it is. I mean, I think watching as many new releases as I now do, like, you know, it, it does change your perspective. But Hannah, you know, like Russo's, you know, they're known for the Avenger films. They're known for Captain America. Was any of this at least kind of an antidote for what we refer to now as Marvel fatigue? Well, I mean, I think that Ryan Gosling's first film in, what, five years, four years? Whenever the first man was, I think four years ago. Um, that's enough of a kind of sell to me. I love Ryan Gosling. I don't think I've ever got a chance to talk about him on this podcast. I'm a big Ryan Gosling fan. Delighted. He's one of Hannah's boys. He's one of Hannah's boys. Yeah. I we've not used in a while, but yeah, he's very much one of Hannah's boys. One of my formative crushes. Um, so I was absolutely, you know, stoked that he... Uh, was doing something because god it's been a while and i i have very much been enjoying the press tour for this film where he's just like been asked about barbie and going on about how ken is the role he was born to play and he's just you know he's so charming and he even makes a film like the gray man which i don't think is a particularly exciting film he even makes something like this very watchable and he's playing like the straight man very much to chris evans in kind of zany uh Machiavellian mustache not quite twirling it but having a mustache um villain mode and um I you know I was very happy to see him again and I do think there are some kind of pretty good scenes within it there were some like um fight sequences that I remember which is more than happens with any Marvel film anymore I mean I think the opening scene um or the second scene in the film where we're in Bangkok and he uh, Ryan Gosling's character Courtney uh Courtney whatever his name is uh, is on like a mission and he I, th- I believe it's new year or it's some sort of festival because there's loads of like fireworks going off and that yeah, I thought yeah. was like very visually kind of um engaging uh, maybe not so if you have a prone to seizures I did think that was, it might might be quite a lot um but that was very, you know, kind of interesting. And I was like, okay, well, the Russo brothers have made a few action films now. Um, you would hope that they would kind of have that down. But the disappointing thing for me was that how much of the film um, is spent with Gosling and Evans in like different places and they're having mm. kind of like phone conversations. But when you've got Gosling and Evans and the whole film has been sold as like this, you know, two of the internet's boyfriends like facing off against each other, you want them to be like kind of, together more like you know riffing more and I was just a little bit like oh could have really done with a bit more of that and I think it the motivation of these characters to me just it was all just a bit like generic and again maybe this comes from the book more so than the film um I always panic when I see like four or five credited screenwriters on a film because I just think oh this is it's never a kind of good sign um it's you know it's usually a sign that there have been multiple uh like redrafts of the script and uh, it's quite hard to get a cohesive tone I think when you have that many people involved um so yeah you kind of end up with this film that is like meeting very predictable uh action thriller beats you know there's the the old timer who's out of the game but becomes like involved again because um he's made a mistake in his past and uh, you have the sort of generic uh female figure uh, but also two- he's made the most noble mistake imaginable <laughs> 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 um and you have yeah the, the 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 female assassin played by Anna Diamas who kind of doesn't really get much of a look in and 
I just the 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 thing is with these films, and I I tweeted about this, but the motivation always comes down to oh no, a woman I love is in trouble, and it's I just like I just find that really like kind of patronizing as a woman who enjoys like a thriller, enjoys an action film. It's just like why is it always like a woman in peril that they're trying to rescue? I just don't like you know even John Wick, it's a lady dog, like you know it's like. <laughs> It's I I don't know I'm just like is there nothing else we can come up with that like might be interesting for a, a viewer an audience to kind of um, understand about these characters and their motivation I I don't know I'm I'm kind of mixed on it it's one that I think I like a little bit more in retrospect than I did at the time mm. um, and certainly having watched this before the crawdads. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like I didn't before know how they sang. before the crawdad sang, you know. Um, I didn't know how lucky I was to acknowledge that we discovered that crawdads are a type of lobster, not a bird. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I, I, knew, I knew that. I'm a, I did I, not I know that. League, so I know what I knew what crawdads were. I didn't know that everyone else didn't. Know. <laughs> oh well. All my yeah. American friends were like taking the taking the Mickey out of me for not knowing what a crawdad was because I texted. Our, our little chat and I was like guys did you know that a crawdad isn't a bird they were like oh my god Hannah how old are you um but you know we don't run into them a lot in the UK <laughs> she's what I said I was like it's not it's never come up before you know um that's, that's very fair like I don't think that we should have to have a working knowledge of kind of swamp creatures in order to kind of appreciate um you know a Daisy Edgar Jones film uh Leslie like this was very much marketed as kind of like a two-handed. You mentioned that you enjoyed Chris Evans as kind of being full psychopath in Lloyd Han- uh, as Lloyd Hansen. But it actually turned out to be way more of an ensemble piece. We've got, yes. you know, Roger Jean Page. We've got Wagner Murrah. We've got Anna de Armas. Alfred Woodard. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> My personal favorite was Danish. As yes. um, oh, I yeah. thought that man has got some star power, but like, is there anyone in that ensemble that like really stood out for you beyond um, Chris Evans? Reggie Jean Page, um, I really liked, really, I really like because it's the first time I've seen him. I haven't seen um, Bridgerton, and there's something about the way he handled himself in that kind of straight, like, clearly, clearly villainous like role. I, I was, I was in for it all in for it I thought he was really good I thought um Danish was <laughs> just again just this kind of jolt of energy that you kind of need in the second like in the latter half of a movie um and I thought he was really good um I thought it's, Billy Bob Thornton is good he's you know he, he's the kind of guy that gives you gravitas I, I, I like all the performances um, I think most of the ensemble cast is really good. I didn't say too much about Ryan Gosling because I don't think he's, I don't think he's bad. I just think it's, I've seen him in better. Mm. Um, but I, I love the performances and I like the, I like the action sequences. And I was kind of harsh on it in, like in, in retrospect in the beginning there. But I did come out of it going, oh, that was enjoyable. Oh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, what happened in it again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, there's that, just that element of it where it's just like, I remember texting a friend going, yeah, I think you'll really like it. I think you'll really like it. It can kind of like extraction. You, you'll enjoy that kind of that thing. And then like, I was so happy he didn't ask me any follow-up questions. <laughs> so... He, it's it's fine and <laughs> oh my god it's fine my 
goodness, what damning with the <laughs> no, but it's, 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 it's one of those things where it, it is like if you read the Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter, um, oh, yeah, God, art, um, interview with the Russo brothers, where they where if you have a, a, a pint glass filled with alcohol and you just drink every time they mention the word content, mm. um. And it's like this is content, like it, that. Literally, what it is, like, like you can you can watch it, go to the bathroom, not pause it, come back, and it'll be fine, and you're not missing a beat. Um, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it. That's that. I think the problem I think we have with the two films that we've had to watch is that they are literally just content to be watched while you're on social media. God, the, all right. I, before we wrap up, I'd just like to ask you pr- both briefly, like, did you at least appreciate, as I did, a sort of return to a slightly bloodier action? People are getting stabbed in this film. It isn't kind of that sort of two MCU or DC people kind of shooting laser, people, laser beams at people in the sky. I thought some yes. of the action sequence were really, really enjoyable to me for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, more of this, please. Uh, there's a film that's coming up, but I, I think I, by the time this goes out, it'll still be under embargo. So I'm not going to say which film it is, but there's a film coming out in a few weeks, um, which I think also does this very well. Um, I don't know, it's just something like, it's just something where you feel like the stakes. And I think in this film, you do feel like the stakes. And that is like a point to the Russo brothers and to the writers, the many, many writers of this film. Yeah. <laughs> um, good job, guys. Um, yeah. And, yeah, no, I, I very much appreciate that because I think I am just totally fatigued of kind of um, people shooting CGI weapons at each other. And there is a scene in this film where there's like a hand, uh, hand-to-hand combat scene, which I thought was very well done and kind of um, very fun to watch and, and satisfying. Um I don't know. Maybe maybe if they'd done like more of that, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be so kind of ambivalent. But no, you know, I, I hope we get more of that kind of like back to basics. I think you know John Wick has has kind of proved it best. It's like a well choreographed, well like um, I was going to say well affected, but you know, like something with like good effects, good practical effects, good uh, visual effects, but not like CGI uh, up the wazoo. Is you know what what we need with these films. Yeah, and Leslie, you agree? More fingernails being pulled out, less uh, magical hammers. Yeah, no, um, I I am full full of um, Marvel fatigue, mostly because the conversation sucks the air out of kind of all film talk. Um, so I don't, I didn't mind the fact you see bones crunch and kind of shatter in this. It was, you know, it's good for what it is in terms of in terms of his action. However, it just made me realise I think a lot of people kind of slept on ambulance. <laughs> yeah, um, I in retrospect did not give ambulance a very good review and come to somewhat regret that. I like <laughs> but let's good, get some, good movie. Yeah. <laughs> let's get some scores on this before we move on to film club. Uh, Leslie, do you want to go first? Enjoyment in anticipation and in retrospect. Um. Three to three. Um, no, sorry, or was it? No, sorry. It's, can you? What was it again from the beginning? <laughs> sorry, in enjoyment. Enjoyment three. Sorry, sorry. In anticipation. Anticipation f- and um, in two. Enjoyment three. Retrospect three. Um, 
I didn't know what to expect from this. I again, I went. I, I've been trying to go into a lot of these new films as blind as possible, so I can kind of just watch them as is. Um, enjoyment. There is something to be said about Chris Evans as unfiltered capitalism writ large and done for the military that I, um, that I really enjoy. Um, the action scenes are really good. The one in the hospital is very good. Um, and in retrospect, I know for a fact that me and my wife will be watching this again and I'll probably be like, no, it wasn't actually that bad. <laughs> and it will be okay. Yeah, I think it was good. Uh, Hannah, have you changed from your slightly more damning scores from your review? With is is the late night atmosphere making you think more <laughs> kindly of the grey man? I quite remember what I gave it. Did I give it threes? Did I go with twos? I, I think there might have been a three-two situation. Look at me, such a professional. This is be <laughs> fuming at this. Um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's three, um, three-two. Yeah, that that sounds about right. I don't know. <laughs> God, I really do like lose all all like interest. I'm gonna, I, right now I'm like I don't want to watch another movie again in my life. Like, I'm over I'm over the movies now. No, no, no. I'm I, I will do that with slightly more enthusiasm. Um, I would say it's a a three three two. Um, but you know I'm not gonna be mad at Ryan Gosling getting an employment. Like you know I can't, I, I can't be mad about that. <laughs> It is past 10 p.m. All bets are off. (laughs) (laughs) So in anticipation for me, probably somewhere between a one and a two, not looking forward to this at all. Uh, Enjoyment four would give a five simply for Danush fighting in a hospital and Wagner Mura knitting. But evens out at a four because it's also not great. (laughs) Three and a three in retrospect because... You know, all here for kind of bloodier films that are here actually made for adults rather than, you know, people that can't bear to see anybody actually get hurt or tortured on screen. That's what I want more of. And much, much better than the Russo's last effort of Sherry. So if you've got thoughts on The Grey Man or on Where the Crowdards Thing, you can contact us at truthandmovies at tcolondon.com or tweet us at LWLives. Next up, Film Club. A motorcycle stunt rider turns to robbing banks as a way to provide for his lover and their young child. That decision puts him on a collision course with an ambitious rookie crop navigating a corrupt department. Hannah, this was your choice for Film Club, I believe. You wanted us to return to some peak Ryan Gosling. What is it that makes The Place Among the Pines special? So um, I remember this trailer, the trailer for this film coming out and oh, cultural research, as they say, um, something shifted <laughs> the day that this dropped. Um, I, I just I remember being about I think I was 21 when this film came out and I was working in the cinema and I was just so I probably saw this, this trailer at the cinema the first time I saw it. And um, it has this amazing like piano motif that you hear in the mm. film and uh, the trailer is just it's it I think it is probably one of the best film trailers maybe ever um it's just really beautifully cut like editing edited very well um they use this quote from the film said by Ben Mendelsohn which is uh he has this like really you know distinctive gravelly voice and he's like if you ride like thunder you're gonna crash like lightning and it's 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 just so good it's a great trailer anyway enough about the trailer because I think the problem was the trailer was so good the film itself couldn't actually like you know live up to that expectation 
expectation, especially because there's a twist like midway through the film um, where you realise this kind of uh, lovable scamp of, uh, of uh, a... Is that uh, what you call it? <laughs> <laughs> I really am like Ryan Gosling pilled, aren't I? <laughs> uh, no, the, the Luke Glanton, who is Ryan Gosling's character, who is a stuntman uh, in a travelling circus um, and sort of ne'er-do-well ex well ex-convict uh with a sort of explosive temper um he is actually not as kind of major character in the film as i think is implied by the trailer and um bradley cooper is kind of this i would say like the second lead in this he actually gets quite quite a large role i mean the, the second act is basically just about him um so i do think that a lot of people were maybe a bit disappointed because they thought it was just going to be like a, a different film and it's not, it is a thriller, but it's, I would say the second it kind of shifts to being more of like a drama about, you know, fate and the fallout from um, one person's uh, actions and how this like spreads out and uh, changes the course of uh, various people's lives within the story um, I had completely forgotten that Mahashala Ali was in this in like yeah. one of his like very early roles um look looks great um <laughs> kind of like wanted to like one oh yeah he always looks great but I, I was like his character um I I was almost like oh I wish we kind of saw what him and uh uh, Eva Mendes <laughs> were up to you know in, in the sort of like 15 years that the film uh, covers because they uh, they they're really great together um, my mind went somewhere then um, <laughs> sorry continue <laughs> um, but yeah I mean I am also I'm a big fan of um, Derek Key in France in general I really like Blue Valentine I do think that Blue Valentine is probably a better film than this but I do have like a real soft spot for this I think it's just a really it, it feels like a film that was maybe made like you know in the 90s it feels like a kind of a film for adults where you know there's kind of uh good acting and drama and uh, you know I <laughs> god my my estimations of film have gone down so low I'm like like wow remember when films had acting and there wasn't that great um <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I I could um probably go on about it, but I will let Leslie kind of <laughs> weigh in about it as well. <laughs> no, I uh, I I agree with quite a lot of that. Um the second time I've seen this, I remember watching it at the cinema and kind of kind of really enjoying it. And I got this on DVD for free from a friend who was like, uh, this isn't for me. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, fine. And it was a good chance to break out the, the DVD, watch old trailers again, like actual trailers before. <laughs> like, I, I, I really don't like streaming because I don't know, it's, there's, I don't know, it's nostalgia, I guess. Um, and I fell in love with the movie again. Um, like, I really did. I guess there's something about what happens in it, the whole generational thing the family aspect of it all and um yes there is an element of ryan gosling's character not being as prominent as you think he is however there is something that occurs which makes his character become a cloud over the whole movie and i absolutely adore stuff like that i'm a massive fan of um like family like family 
issues and and and, and gripes and and that kind of drama and i also love the the fact that um mr ali is once again a surrogate father <laughs> this just yeah. seems to be his thing um but there's a joke to be made about him being a daddy here somewhere but i can't quite figure it out <laughs> <laughs> but my my love of the movie comes from the, the second act you just get Ray Liotta for no for, for just because you can and he's brilliant um there there's an ambition in this movie which is sorely missing from movies now and I kind of agree with Hannah it, it reminds you of the films of the 90s it reminds you of it reminds you of a time where filmmakers were kind of allowed to make these kind of weird baggy movies and see where these things kind of go and it just becomes this really interesting New York epic um, in a way that I don't think people expected, especially with the fact that it is set in New York, but it isn't set in New York in the way that you think about it. It's set in the kind of more outskirts of New York where it's a little bit more green and a little bit more countrified. And I think that's amazing. And, it, and I think films like Hell and High Water kind of owe a, a little bit to this, just being slightly different having that kind of thriller, having that kind of crime aspect in there. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I don't really find the the midway twist as a portrayal. I think it kind of sets up the movie to become something more and something grander and something more ambitious, which I really like. Um, I don't think it's peak Ryan Gosling. Um, <laughs> I well, think this came just after Drive, which I think most people yeah. feel is peak Robin Crossing. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I'm not I... going to sit here and argue this <laughs> about film and Drive. Um, no, no, I don't think any of us here to, to, to make that argument. <laughs> um, I do think, even though I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the movie, I do think peak Ryan Gosling for me is La La Land. I think that shows a very interesting side of him as an actor. Um, but I think he's great here. I think he is a person that acts with his eyes, and I think people who detract who are detractors from Gosling think he they, he doesn't really do anything um but he is someone when you look at his eyes he does troubled really well and he does trouble just by just how his eyes dart around the screen and it's amazing to see in this and I don't know like I, I won't I won't I won't go into too much of it um from a personal aspect the last two years have been horrible from someone like myself so watching something like this and seeing all the family th- stuff go on, it hits a little bit differently and a little bit harder for me. But I, th- I think again, this is something that people kind of not, they don't sleep on it. it. It just, it just, it's just not talked about as much anymore. And I don't know why. I think it was just something really fascinating. I, I thought it was truly an interesting and, and, and beautiful and poetic movie. I do think Ryan Gosling perhaps gets lumped in a little bit with like the Chris's where people don't fully appreciate like the absolute old school movie star in many ways that he is. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of La La Land, Land, but at the end of the day, the guy can sing, he can dance, he can convincingly cut a bitch. He can do this like (laughs) extraordinary melancholy as he does in this film. And then he can be Ken. And, you know, that's, I think, a very rare talent. And, um, you know, be it post 10 p.m. or nine in the morning when we had to go watch The Grey Man, I think he is, he is, you know, shines in almost every role and time of day that we give him. (laughs) I think 
this is going to come really weird and awkward, I guess, but I, I get a feeling that in the last couple of years, there's been a shift and desire to see different representation put on screen. And, and trust me as, as a, as a black, a black guy from England, I'm here, I'm all for it. Um, I think it has turned around though. You, you get the Chris's and you get everything, everybody on there and the Ryan Gosling's and they kind of get lumped in going, Oh, but it's them. Do we need to see them and everything and, and, and whatnot? And it's like, no, I get that, but they are very good. <laughs> like some of them are, are actually good at what they do. Um, and I Gosling agree. Let's is... not throw out Ryan Gosling in the Chris <laughs> Pratt bath. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I think it's true. I mean, I, there's something to be said about someone to have the range that he has. I mean, can we bring up the nice guys? Can we bring up, like, he's going to be Ken? Like, there's not a lot of, I don't see a lot of actors looking to jump into these really strange roles in that way. And even like his directional, um, his directorial debut, Lost, Lost River, is very different from everything that's going around. And I think that's kind of needed. I mean, he looks like he might be someone who might go down this George Clooney path of just really interesting roles that he, he just wants to pick up and and shove out there and be comedic when he wants to be and be serious when he wants to be and just generally be an interesting guy. Oh, good Lord, Leslie, don't curse us with the sort of fare that George Clooney directs. <laughs> oh, we should wrap up for this evening. I've kept you guys up until 20 past 10, which is, you know, outrageous of me. Um, if you've got thoughts on these films, you can email truthinmovies at TCO London or tweet us at LWLies. Next week, it's Road Trip Central with Hit the Road and Paris, Texas, and we'll be exploring the power of love and volcanoes in Fire of Love. Thanks very much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Truth and Movies is hosted by me, Leila Latif, and my guests this week were Hannah Strong and Leslie Pitt. The podcast is produced by TCO London and was edited by Jake Cunningham. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.